Thank you for the confirmation, Alan. Sing sons of God. I'm talking this morning about being a son of God. We're sons. Now, how has that happened? How has that happened? Well, when he talked to Nicodemus, he said, you have to be born again. Now, it's the only time Jesus said there's something you must be do. You must be born again. That's the only way you can get into heaven. We all know that, but it's a, it's a truth that you must be born again. And that's something you have to tell people who are not born again. They must be born again. To enter in to the benefits of heaven, you have to be born from heaven. Now, what the word actually it says in the Greek, it doesn't say born again. It says born from above. Born from above. Wow, isn't that wonderful? You see, we are born of the flesh when we come into this world. Become sons of man. But when we get born of the spirit, we become sons of God. That's obviously obvious, isn't it? Because we're born from heaven. All these people sitting in the, every one of you, if you've been born again, You've been born from above. He says, you are a new creation. You're a new creature. Something completely different than has ever been on the face of the earth before. (laughs) Before people were born again, there was nothing ever like it. No one in the Old Testament was born again like we have been born again. It was the only miracle that Jesus could not do while he was here on earth was to cause people to be born again because he had to die to get rid of our sin so that God could deal with us and change us because the only way he could deal with us was to have blood, but that blood only covered the sin. But this blood of our Saviour took away our sin completely so he could have fellowship with us and change us and come and live in us. His Holy Spirit could come and live in us. He couldn't live in us before because we were filthy. If he came and lived in you before you were born again, you'd have frizzled up with the fire of God. You would have done. But it's only because he's able to cause you to be born again and to get rid of your sin that you can be born again. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And that's why I love thinking about the cross. That's why we have to live in remembrance about what Jesus has done. One of the reasons for that is because we get so full of ourselves if we didn't. We think it was all about us. And he knows what we're like. (laughs) So he, he, he has to keep us reminding us every day, every time we come together about the cross. Because if we forget the cross, we get full of ourselves. And we think we've done something. But when we look at the cross, we say, he did everything. He did everything. Hallelujah. So we've been born of the Spirit this morning. I want to look in Romans 8, which is a culmination of Romans. Now, obviously, it's obviously from Romans 1 to 7. (laughs) And when you understand Romans 1 to 7, you understand Romans 8 and the culmination of what Christ has done. (laughs) 
Right, oh, well, I might, where should we live? Right, let's do this. <laughs> you want to start in verse 9. We could start at verse 1, but we'll start at verse 9. You, right. Well, let's start at verse 8. <laughs> explain this. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, what does that verse mean? It doesn't mean to say that, that a Christian is talking about non-Christians here, people who are in the flesh, who are not born of the Spirit. They cannot please God. Everything they do is in the flesh. God's a spirit. You can't. There's no fellowship at all. They can't please God. But you are not in the flesh, it says. But in the spirit. If so, the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwells in you. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Then that means you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. You can't be in the flesh. Now, you can live in the flesh, but, you can't, but you're not in the flesh. You can live in it. You can go and do things wrong in your flesh, can't you? But you're actually not of the flesh anymore. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So a person who is not born again has not got the Spirit of God in them. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So this body I live in is still going to go to the grave. Now, if, if, unless Jesus comes, and he will instantaneously in the blink of an eye, change this awful thing that I live in, which is falling apart at times, which aches in brains. <laughs> and the older you get, the more you feel if it's falling apart. <laughs> and bits stop working, and don't work as well as they ought to. That's going to go completely. Glory. <laughs> if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. All right? And that's not talking about in the future, that's talking about now. Therefore, brethren, we're not debtors to live to the flesh. Not the debtors to live in the flesh, to live after the flesh, after the flesh. But if you live after the flesh, you should die. That's if, you're, if, you, if that's what your life is, the flesh, and you're not born again. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, that's those who are born of the spirit, they are sons of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You today are a son of God. Now you're not a daughter of God. You're a son. <laughs> Sorry about that, ladies. Now the men have another thing, that we're going to get married to Christ. And we're going to be a bride. So the men can't boast either. Because actually in the kingdom of God, there's neither male or female. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Right. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. What is that to fear? To fear hell. To fear the wrath of God. You're not under that anymore. A son of God is free from the bondage of the fear of death. You're free from the bondage of sin. Aren't you? I said earlier on, there is no condemnation. We're free, in verse 2, you're free from the law of sin and death. So people out there who don't know Christ, there's the law of sin and death. They, do, they sin because they can't help it, because they're sinners. That's what they are. They fear death. But we don't fear death because it has no hold on us. Because our Jesus, who we are you know, connected to, conquered death. <laughs> That's one of the advantages of being a son of God. That we live forever. 
We don't fear death. We just, they're called, it calls, in the, in the New Testament, never talked about Christians dying as they sleep. We just sleep. We go to be with him and we just sleep. Wasn't it wonderful? So we have not, we've got no bondage left. As a son, we have no bondage of sin and death. Hallelujah. To fear. For you have received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted into God's family. You, you weren't supposed to be there because we'd sinned and you'd gone and bent God and reviled against God, maybe, you know, in your former life. But he's adopted you. He's changed you. He calls you his son, whether you feel like a son or not. Your reason you're a son is because the son inherits. And you see, we'll see that in a minute. Hallelujah. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, I, I find this very helpful because, well, you, you know, I don't know who my father was. Am I was brought up by my stepfather. And uh, so I've always been very uh, blessed by the idea of God being my father. It's always been a special thing to me. All right? And that's wonderful. And, even, you know, even if you may have had a father, he might not have been the best father. But he, you know... Our father, our, this father is a very good father. And even if you did have a good father, he's even better. <laughs> even better than our fathers. Whoever good they may want to be, never much they may loved us, he loves us even more. That's, what, that's part of the advantage of being a son this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if children of God, oh, sorry, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's something that's been born in you that says, I'm a son. There's lots of reasons, things for that. If you go in John's gospel, in John's epistle, there's a, a whole load of reasons, uh, ideas of why we're, we're a son. But we love the brethren, that causes us to be a son. We call Jesus Lord, that, call, that becomes a son. And all these things where he goes through, he says, because at the end he said that you might know to have your life eternal at the end of John. Yeah. You see, this is wonderful. We have a confidence in our God because we're sons. And our spirit of God inside us says we are sons. Because we, we love the brethren. We love to be with people like you have this morning. We love to be. We love to look at this word. We love to talk to him and say, Great, everything as you do in this world is so wonderful, God, in our lives. He's so wonderful. And that's what he's like. And so that spirit inside us. So sometimes our flesh gets a bit upset. <laughs> and we get upset in our emotions. Our mind gets a bit, and we start imagining things. And everything gets against us. It's always, always against me. I can never find anything. It's always, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> sometimes, we feel like that sometimes. We get the, the POMs, don't we? The poor old me's. And we have to be conscious of that because there's no need to be poor old me anymore because he says, I'm seated with him. I'm his son and he's my father. And he looks after me and cares for me. Every day he cares for me. Isn't that wonderful how he does that to us? Let's go on a little bit further. If children, then heirs, heirs of God. We're heirs of the things of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. We'll stop there. <laughs> 
because I want to go into Galatians 4. We have heirs with Christ. What Jesus bought on the cross, we're heirs with him, with that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Galatians 4, amazingly, says some very similar things. It doesn't amaze me, really, because it's written by the same Holy Spirit. Now, let's have a look at here. We'll start in verse 1, because we must put it into context here. He's talking about Abraham's seed, heirs according to a promise. Now, an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements or the rudiments of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that's what we've just remembered about Jesus on the cross this morning. Now, he's talking a picture here of a person who's a servant who doesn't abide in the house forever. It says about Jesus, he said, the son abides in the house Forever. An amazing thing. And a servant doesn't. They come and go. But the son always. And what he's talking about here is that they were like, the, like a son who's like, it was like being under the law. The law was not forever in a sense because the, Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets and to deal with the sin. So when we were in, in this world under the elements of the law... Jesus came and put himself under the same law and lived it out perfectly. When we couldn't live it perfectly, he did, he lived it perfectly. So we could say, and when he died, he said, I, I take your sin, but you should have, I, I take this punishment for that. And you don't have to have it anymore. So we've, we've been set free from this law of sin and death, which we talked about. We were in bondage under these rudiments of this world. By the things that we do, we do wrong things, we're a bondage of that, but now he's set us free from that bondage and he has adopted us exactly the same idea as we saw in Romans there. When the fullness of time come, he redeemed us and received his adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth a spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, isn't that an incredible thing? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, has been sent into your heart. And it cries, Abba, Father. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful being a son? Even you ladies. <laughs> you have the benefits of being a son. Because women in the Bible didn't inherit anything. You see? But the men did. And the, and the firstborn son did. And we are joined with the firstborn son. The firstborn. Firstborn of heaven. Jesus. We're joined with him. And because we're joined with him, we have the same benefits as him. Isn't that incredible this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go on. We've got Abba Father. And he goes on in verse... Uh, where are we? Oh, listen. Oh. But you're, you're no more a servant, but a son. And if a son... Than an heir of God 
through Christ. Now, when he's talking about a servant there, he's talking about a servant to the law. All right, as we saw established there, it was the old law, the servant they were with too. But that was only there for a time. But, and the time came to an end in the fullness of time. So you can see here the picture of the servanthood is our servanthood to sin, not servanthood to God. All right, because we'll see later on we're all servants of God. So, we're an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. It's all through Christ. That's why we have to remember his death, or else we get a bit big-headed and think it's all about us and what we've done for God. And we realise in the end it's nothing to do with us, but us, it's about him. Hallelujah. And there's another, let's have a look at another thing that happens in 1 John 3, 2, about, about what happens to sons. We spoke, I've, I've mentioned it, we, we've sang about it already. Let's start in verse 1 in John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Right? Because it's of the flesh and we are of the spirit. Beloved, now, are we, now, be, now we are the sons of God and it doesn't yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. <laughs> That's one of the other advantages. We get to inherit the same nature and body as Christ. That's what happens. When he comes and we meet him in the air, whether we've died and we go up and meet him then, out of the grave, or whether we meet him now, we will be changed instantly to be like Jesus. And when we look at him and we look at ourselves, we think, we're the same. <laughs> We're the same. Isn't it wonderful? That's why when, he, oh, when we come to heaven's door and we got the man's looking and he says, oh yeah, you're all right, you look like Jesus. You can come in. It's because you look like Jesus you'll come in because he's changed you to make you look like himself. That is acceptable in heaven. And so you'll be happy in heaven because you'd never be happy in heaven if you lived in this body. And if you weren't born again, you'd be miserable in heaven because you've got this holy God and you feel, you feel really awful. But he'll, he'll change you to be like Jesus. So you'll be happy in heaven and you'll be able to enjoy your mansion. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, you won't need any vacuum cleaners because <laughs> he'll be perfect and pure. There'll be no dust. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? What God has prepared for those he loves. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Because this is what it says about, he said, this is how God loves us, that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And that's how he said he loves us, isn't it? That he sent his son. I want to have a look at a little um, story, which is a very, very favourite story of somebody here. Luke 15. I want to talk about this little son, the man who had two sons. Now we know the story, the prodigal son, how one son decided he wanted everything and wanted his inheritance then. And he went off and he 
He did what young men do. We still do. <laughs> and ended up with nothing. In the pig pen, where he should never have been, because he's a Jew, he should never have been with the pigs. Awful state he got himself into. But we're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the other son. The elder son was in the field in verse 25. And he came and drew nigh to the house and heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and wouldn't go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that would make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, who hath devoured thy living with harlots, and hath killed for him the fatted calf, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Now this is a son who had done all the right things. And the thing about sonship is that there are enormous benefits of being a son of God. But there are the other side. There are responsibilities about being a son. And this is a son who understood his responsibilities. Even though he wasn't the oldest son, he got all the inheritance because the other son had already got his and frittered it away. And he would probably have to look after the younger son because he hadn't got anything left. But he said, look, he said, all that I have is thine. And you'll ever be with me. And this is the same with us. As a son, we shall ever be with him. And at all that he has, Jesus has, he gives to us. Isn't that a fantastic thing? In Romans 8, 32, he said, we can turn, well, he says, if he's given, if he's given us his son, here we go, 8, 32, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Isn't that an incredible story? See how that fits with the older son? Because he is the older son. All right, now Jesus wasn't upset, and that isn't what he was talking about. But the, the picture is quite clear that the sonship in, in, the, in Bible times meant more than just having an inheritance and spending it. And sonship for us is, we do inherit lots of things, but there is responsibility too, you see. So, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is our example. In, we'll, look, we'll quickly look in Mark 1.11, shall we? In Mark 1.11... It said, when Jesus was baptised, it says, there came a voice from heaven, and it said what? 
This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's turn over to chapter 9, verse 7. up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And in John 12, 28, you'll see where this is going in a minute, 12, 28. Jesus um, is talking about his death. In verse 27, Never is my soul troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. This is talking about going to the cross. But for this cause came I into the world. Father, glorify thy name. And there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So three times God speaks. And it's all because of Jesus was an obedient son. He was obedient. So when he lived 30 years before, he didn't just live like we lived, though he appeared to everybody else to live like an ordinary person. He lived completely without sin. That's an amazing thing. He lived just like us. As human beings, he lived without a ministry, without doing anything. He lived to please God. You don't need a ministry to please God. You just live life and do what he tells you to do. Whatever it is. Isn't it wonderful? That makes you a minister, just by living to please God. And that's part of being a son. He lived to please God, didn't he? And then when he was on the mountain, he'd already pleased God again, didn't he? This is my beloved son. Hear him. Isn't that wonderful? Why hear him? Because it says many times, he only ever said what his father told him to say. Now that is an amazing thing. Jesus never said one word more than what his father, told, what the, than what his father said to do. So he didn't add to it or take away from it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So we know what we have written down here. It's what God spoke to him. And what he told him to do. He says, what I, what I hear, or what I see, that's what I say. What I hear, that's what I do. Isn't that wonderful? And in fact, he says that about seven times. I think six or seven times? Six times. He was six times, it says about this, about Jesus. That he obeyed the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Six times he obeyed the Father. In, oh, just He didn't do anything from his own mind. He only ever did from what Father wanted. And that's an, that is a, 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 <laughs> quite a, a challenge for us all. all right, we'll never ever be like Jesus completely until we get, uh, get changed. And then we'll be like him. When you're in heaven, you won't do anything that displeases God. Because you're born from heaven. And you've got the mind of Christ. It says we have the mind of Christ. When we get to heaven, we'll, we'll have a complete mind of Christ without this flesh distracting us all the time. <laughs> and it's the flesh that's a problem. <laughs> it catches us out, doesn't it? We're going along and suddenly something happens. 
and boing, and we get off. Oh, not again, Lord. But glory, he covers us with his blood, and it's all, got, it's all finished. He doesn't have to worry us anymore. We don't have to go into a, a poor old me syndrome, do we? Because we've been repenting. Now, let's have a look in, in uh, how did Jesus get to that place? of doing exactly what Father said. In Hebrews 5, we find an amazing little thing about Jesus. In Hebrews 5, verse 7. Now, he's actually talking about, in verse 6, about Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. All right, now, we, what, when we have a high priest, one of the things about a priest is we need someone who, who, a priest is one who stands between us and God. So he needs to understand how we feel. So he can talk to God on our behalf. And Jesus understands completely how we feel because he said, in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, it was in heard that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And that means to obey the gospel. All right? We obey the gospel, we get salvation. So Jesus, had, you know, remember... We saw on the before the cross in Gethsemane how he sweated blood. And he said, Father, take this cup away from me if it's at all possible. All right? He didn't, no, it wasn't the fear of the, of the pain of the cross. It was the fear of being separated from Father by our sin. It's he who knew no sin became sin for our sakes. Isn't that an amazing thing? That was, that was only a culmination of what he'd been through before. The whole of his life had been like that when he was, he was learning, God was teaching him obedience. So when his flesh came along and said, kick your brother, he didn't. <laughs> because he was tempted just like we were but without sin. It says he was without sin. So it gives us great confidence that Jesus understands where we are. Doesn't it? Even though he was a son and a living God, he had to learn obedience from the Father. Just like we have to learn obedience from our Father. <laughs> now how does this happen? How does this happen? This happens... By the word, doesn't it? Let's have a look at that. In 2 Timothy 3. A very well-known verse. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Be good job here. I had 2 Timothy. I've got 1 Timothy there. It's no good being in the wrong T, is it? 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's for teaching, 
for reproof, for being told off, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that's what the scripture's for. Now he's not talking here about the New Testament, though it does. He's talking about the Old Testament, because then the New Testament hadn't been written. So the Old Testament it gives us instruction of how we should live our lives. And in fact, it wasn't only Jesus who needed to be disciplined. Let's have a look in Hebrews again. And we see that we're in the same boat as Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 12. First, Hebrews 11, God always does this first. He gives us all the positive people and what they did in their lives and the positive things of faith. Then he says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He says, come on, I want you to get it in the right way. Don't start trying to do these things just to please God. Understand that God has helped these people in the past and these people have coped with it. And he says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, that's what he did on the cross, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us. He's getting us into a position where we understand where we are. And that the Holy Ghost understands, because the Holy Ghost wrote this, he understands exactly where you are. That sin easily besets us. All right? And looking under Jesus, and we talked about that, well, we can read that. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we be weary and faint in our minds. See, these people didn't faint in their minds in chapter 11. But you see, we don't need to do it either, because we have Jesus who understands exactly the way we think and understands the way we feel. He's gone before us. He understands. He's been under suitors. And he said, look, for we've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Jesus resisted unto blood. He swept blood out of his forehead because he was under such pressure, such conflict to doing the right thing for God. But he did it any rate because that was what Father wanted. He did it for you and me. He resisted against blood. All right? And you have forgotten the exhortation which speak. If my son despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourges every son whom he receiveth. For if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. Hallelujah. So one of the things about being a son is God deals with us. If you're not a son, then it says you're a bastard. You're not. You're born out of wedlock. No, you're not born out. You are a son. And if God calls you a son, he will deal with you. Why? Because he wants to change you for your own sake and for his sake. <laughs> and for the glory of God's sake. And so it's a joyful thing. It says, you know, he talks about having with joy, doesn't it? Talking about these things that happen to us in our lives. So when these things happen to us, it's to bring us into a place of more receiving the blessings of God, more 
receiving the, the accolades of sonship. So that we can, like the prodigal son's elder brother, we can have all things and we can dwell in the house of God forever. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't it? He treats us as sons through his word. Now, what, can we have some examples of that? Shall we have some examples of that? In, in the Old Testament. Let's go on to Deuteronomy. And there's some big examples in the Old Testament. We could, we could pick up loads of it. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. All right? In Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, we're only going to read a little bit. You can go home and read the rest. In chapter 8, he's, he's talking about when they went through the wilderness. And he said, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What? To humble you and to prove you. To know what's in your heart. And whether you would keep his commandments or no. And when he humbled you, he suffered thee to hunger. He fed them with manna, which we heard about this morning, which they didn't know where it came from. And they might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. In verse 5, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord chasteneth thee. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And in verse 17, doesn't want us to come and say in our heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me wealth. But shall remember the Lord thy God that giveth thee power to get wealth and establish his government, which is swear to the, thy fathers as it is to this day. See, so he's talking about in the wilderness that he treated them like a father in disciplining them. All right? And sometimes it was quite harsh, wasn't it? We had the ground opening up and swallowing them. We had plagues. We had all sorts of things, siry serpents. All these things were to deal with the things in, their, in, in, the, in, the, in the nation of Israel. And exactly the same thing happens to us. God deals with us as sons and causes us to be changed so that we can enter in properly to the promised land in our lives. This is what we were talking about, you were talking about earlier. The promised land. The thing is, he wants us to enter into the promised land. Now, the children of Israel entered into some of the promised land before they went in. And before we get to heaven, we can enter into some of the promised land. We won't enter into much of it, but we'll enter into it. Isn't it wonderful? And that's what it is about being a son. Another example is Isaac was a good son, wasn't he? In Genesis 22, he wasn't a little young lad. He was quite an old per older person by that time. And when his father said, we're going to go off and, and sacrifice, he went along. And he said, oh, we've got the wood and everything else. Hang on, where's the sacrifice? God will provide a sacrifice. Now, Isaac is a picture of the son. Abraham is a picture of the father. Isaac is a picture of the son. And um, Jacob is a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. You see. And this is a picture of the work of the son. And he was obedient, wasn't he? He was completely obedient to his father. Doesn't it say he struggled because your father tied him up. He was probably stronger than his dad by that time. If he was a young man, my son's probably stronger than me now. <laughs> Once I could pick him up, 
now you can pick me up. <laughs> but you see, he was obedient. You see, this is what he means by an obedient son. When, in chapter 24, you can read, he, went, he told his servant to go and find his son, a wife. Didn't even choose his own wife. <laughs> his dad chose. He said, go to, go, and get, go, to, go, go, there, go to, back into the land where we came from, to his servant and find my son a wife. You see, nowadays we'd be, we'd be horrified, wouldn't we? We wouldn't we'd want to choose our own wife, wouldn't we, asked men? We find that quite difficult. <laughs> and the same happened with Jacob. Isaac said the same thing to Jacob. He said, don't go there, don't go over, go to Laban and the family of Laban and find a, find a wife there. You see, so this is the picture of, of an obedient sons in the, in the Old Testament, isn't it? You see, we've become servants of God by being obedient to God. Now you say, hang on, let's look in John 15. Now we've looked at one place where it says we're not servants and we've seen that we're not servants to the law anymore because we're sons. But in John 15, 15, we find another little verse which people like to quote about being a son. See, we can be a... There's lots of benefits. And if if we only tell people the benefits and not the other side... That there are responsibilities as well. And that's the same with that in, in the country, isn't it? Everybody wants the benefits. They want the government to do this, they want everybody to do this and that and the other. Yet where's the responsibility? You know, well, the government can pay for that, the government can do this for me, that can do that. You think, well, what's the, what's the problem with you doing something for a change? <laughs> and that's the attitude of people, isn't it? I want somebody else to do it for us. I want to sit at home and watch my, my television screen, thank you very much. Let somebody else go to work and I can receive benefits. But you see, part of being in, in, in a society is there are benefits and responsibilities. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. There are wonderful, wonderful benefits, but there are responsibilities too. And we have to tell people they're both. Jesus said, if they persecuted me... They're going to persecute you. Because if you become a son of God, then you'll be different to your neighbour. You'll be different to people. And when God tells you to tell somebody something and they get really upset with you, oh, you get persecuted. And this world, and in fact, in, in our society now, because they've moved so far away from the Christian ethos we have nowadays, many Christians get into quite difficulties just just by saying, well, I shouldn't be doing this. But that's what we should expect. Because we're not the same as them. Now, we don't go out to annoy people and tell people things just to annoy people. But if we're doing what God says, then we're going to come up against things in our work, in our relationships, in our families, where, where things are not going to go. But God says, I'm always with you. And if they kill you, well, you just go to heaven. <laughs> we don't like that, do we? We don't want that. But that's, that, that's the end of it, really. All they can do, the only thing they can do in the end is to kill you. And in killing you, they do you, do you a service and you get sent to heaven. You get a crown. 
<laughs> you're going to shine your crown in heaven because you're a martyr. Anyway, let's look at verse 15. I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father have I made known unto you. That's one of those little verses. All right? You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Hallelujah. Now look, we're friends of God. We're not servants. But hang on, let's go and have a look at the verse before. Ye are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. So it doesn't get us off the hook by saying, I'm not a servant, I'm a son, I can just sit and sit at home in, in the kingdom of heaven with my feet up and just enjoy being a son. No, we have to be obedient. So a friend of God is somebody who is obedient. So we can't get out of it even then. It's very easy for us because our nature wants to get out of it. And most of us basically are quite lazy people inside, really. We'd rather sit at home or do what we want to do. We're quite willful in some ways, aren't we? But that's, that's just our nature. But that's our old nature, isn't it? But a new nature, we're born of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? So we're friends of God. And in fact, if we look at the beginning of lots of chapters, in Romans 1, 1 Paul calls himself a servant. A doulos is the word. In James 1, 1, he calls himself a servant. In Jude 1, 1, guess what? He calls himself a servant. In uh, Peter 2, 1, 1, he calls himself a servant. In, Reve in John, in Revelation 1, 1, he calls himself a servant. And in fact, remember when uh, an angel appears to him and he, start, and he bows down to the angel in Revelation and he said, don't you do that. I'm a, I'm a servant just like you. <laughs> so we, they're ministering spirits to minister to us. And we're ministering spirits to minister to other people. We're not here just for blessing. Though we are here to get blessed, the best way to get blessed is to be a blessing. And if you obey God, you'll get changed enough to be a blessing this morning. Amen. Amen. If you, change, if you, let, if you obey God, You'll become more like Jesus and you'll become more of a blessing to the people around you. You'll become more of a blessing to other people. I hear people say, well, I want to go to a meeting to get blessed. And sometimes when you are, are really struggling, that's not... But most of the time, if you go... I said to the, this person who said that, I said, no, no, I don't go to, 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 for, to get a blessing. I go to be a blessing. And that's not because I'm... <laughs> It's just something you learn as you go on in life. You realise that to, to, to minister, minister, even if it's only singing or whatever you do, you become a blessing. And so God wants you this morning to become a blessing. He wants you to become an obedient servant who blesses. Even though things might not go right. We'll go back to our Romans 8 and we'll finish there. Because in the same way that Jesus was obedient, God was able to lift him up. Remember in those verses in, in Philippians, where it talks about him coming, he started in heaven and he went all the way down to the death, even the death of a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And it's the same with us. When we learn to 
lie ourselves down and be a, a son who obeys their father. God then lifts us up. Because he humbled. That's what he had to do with the people in the, in the thing, didn't he? In the, in, the, in the wilderness. He said, I came to humble you. Because they fought themselves so, so good and knowing what they were doing. And yet God had to humble them and to find out what was in them. And they didn't find it wasn't very nice, was it? But God did, did that because he had to bring them to a point to take them into the promised land. And they had to come to a point where they realized they couldn't do it themselves. Before they balked at it, they thought they could do it. Ooh, we can go in. And they started going in when they realized they made a mistake and they got whipped, didn't they? And they had to go off back into the wilderness again the first time when they went in. But the second time, God had got rid of all that worldliness of Egypt. And had all that had all died off. And only two people left, Caleb and Joshua. There were only two people left who went into the promised land who came out of Egypt. And they, because they, they had learned that God was in charge. And they'd obeyed God. Let's go back into our, yeah, our Romans 8. Yes, for, as, for you have not received, we're starting 15 again, the spirit of God again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be, we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified Together, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow. You see, it's exactly the same picture. Exactly the same picture as Jesus. He, had, he learnt to be humble and did what God said and God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. At the name of Jesus. And that name above every name means not because before his name wasn't above every other name, because it was, but it means that he had a name of honour above every other name because he laid himself down and did what Father did, asked him to do. And therefore God highly exalted him. And he will highly exalt you when you've laid your life down because he highly exalts you before you lay your life down you'll get proud. And that's why he disciplines us. And we end up saying, it's all you, Lord. <laughs> and we're always in this process, aren't we? We'll be in this process until we go to glory, where we're laying more and more of our life down. And he is getting more and more glorified as we do it. We become more obedient. We become true sons of God. Not just ones who get a blessing, but ones who become a blessing. And that's what God wants. He wants everyone in this building to be a blessing and to, to do what God has asked them to do. I have a little song which we'd like to sing. Um, and as we sing it, Joe has got, not my will, but thine be done. See, many places only talk about the blessing. But if you only talk about the blessing, 
when the problems come, you fall away. But if you're, if you're like a boy scouts, that you're prepared, <laughs> then you know that when things go wrong, this is, or seem to go wrong, and God is disciplining and changing you, then you know this is all part of his plan, and you don't get worried, and you don't fear, because you know God's in control of your life. So we're going to just sing this little song. Not my will, but thine be done, that the fullness of the Son may dwell within this heart that I have offered thee. Until everything I do becomes a thing that pleases you, Abba Father, I would be a son indeed. Not my will, but thine be done, that the fullness of the Son may dwell within this heart that I have offered you. Until everything I do becomes a thing that pleases you. Have a father, I would be a son indeed. Not my will, but thine be done. Let the fullness of the sun may dwell within this heart that I have offered thee. Until everything I do becomes a thing that pleases you. Abba Father, I would be a son indeed. Not my dwell within this heart that I have offered you. Until everything I do becomes a thing that pleases you. Have a father, I would be a son indeed. Father, I would be a son indeed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father, today that you are our Father. And you gave your Son for us that we may have the benefits of heaven, the benefits of being your servants. 
the benefits of being your children. We just thank you, Lord. We just ask now, Lord, that the blessing of heaven may fall upon this man's life. Lord, that the Holy Spirit will come and quicken this body now. In Jesus' name. Because he's your son, Lord. He's your son. Lord, he's your son. Hallelujah. And he's an heir with Jesus. Holy Spirit, just come and touch his body. Cause your life to flow through it, Jesus. The life that came out of heaven, that river of God, that flow through Jesus' life, to flow now into this man's life and cause life to, to spring up again in every cell of this body. Lord, that you will just come and deal with this situation in this man's life, in this body, Lord, and cause it to be revived just like you were revived. Lord, that he may know the resurrection life of Jesus this morning. Jesus, come and touch his man's life now. Holy Ghost, come and touch him. Bring the glory of heaven in this life that he may become a testimony, a greater testimony, an ongoing testimony to the love of God and the glory of heaven upon this man's life. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Touch him now, Jesus. Open heaven, come down on this man's life. Oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. As I was praying I felt the Lord say that you we and you as a church need to be in prevailing prayer now I hadn't realized that when Moses came down after 40 days in the in the up in the on the mountain and he went back up again and spoke to God you know he went up there and spent another 40 days interceding for those people down there that's prevailing prayer without having anything to eat He'd already had it. For, so 80 days, geez, he was there. Yeah? So we need, that's prevailing prayer. And when people are in need, then we need to pray. And sometimes it's like the widow who came, you know, said, I need this, I need this. Sometimes it's never, we just need to come to heaven and say, heaven, you need to come down. And God will see our prayer and our compassion and we'll answer our prayer. Amen. 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 Bless you, brother. God loves you so much. I love you so much. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy One. Holy One of Heaven. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Bless you, brother.